Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. This is Church Information and Open Forum. I'm Marianne Barnett, your host. We each and every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. right here on KNON 89.3 FM on your dial serving Dallas, Fort Worth, North Texas, or wherever it can be heard, it, can, it will serve. All right, there's just so much going on, so much. We're in the midst of uh, Yuletide season, Christmas, as we will call it. And Ah, boy. Yeah, we get so happy that we get in debt in December, stay in debt until... The first, well, we get in debt last of December, and we stay in debt till the first of December the next year. No, yeah. Anyway, I guess that's what we call having ourselves a good time. A merry, a merry, merry Christmas. However, it's one of those things. So much going on. We have a lineup this morning. We'll have the founder of Cato in on with us this morning. Wade Rifke will be with us in about 20 minutes. And then we'll have in the 8 o'clock hour, United States Congresswoman Eddie Bernice Johnson will be with us. And uh, we'll be talking about a lot of things, a myriad of things. We'll discuss and uh, we want to hear from you, audience, as we always do. We always make sure you have your input and uh, into what's going on. Because we are the voice of the people, we listen to the people. We can't speak for you until you first speak to us. Then we can speak for you. Because we uh, only repeat in a broad scale the things that you say you're feeling, how you feel about a situation. And that number that you'll call to get to me is 972-647-1893. That will be that number. Wade Rifke will be on in the second uh, uh, part of this show. and uh, But until then, we'll discuss uh, Christmas. Remember what Christmas is all about. What is Christmas? What was Christmas? Was Jesus born December 25th? No, we know that. Well, why do we celebrate that? That is the birthday of Nimrod. Nimrod, the great Cushite, the great warrior, the, the Bible calls him great. Others try to say he was a terrible person, but the Bible calls him great. Yes, he was a Cushite. He was a man, a great, a powerful man, a great man in the earth, Nimrod. They would celebrate his birthday during the time what was known as the Festival of Lights. And this is why in the Bible we'll find a time where they talk about Jesus as the light of the world. The writer was looking at Jerusalem and looking at the candles and looking at all the lamps and everything. Everything was lighted. But they let them know the true light, the real light of the world, was Jesus Christ, not the lights that was being used there. This was a celebration of Nimrod. They celebrated because at the head of his grave, they always would keep a tree that would not 
down in Evergreen. And they would put lanterns and light on that tree. And this is how, why we put, we have what was known as Christmas trees. Christmas was first started, and when it first started, it was celebrated from December 25th to January 4th. It was, uh, the, the, the holiday have evolved, evolved, evolved over the years. It became, it took Jesus down and put up Santa Claus back in 1895 when Walter Mass, our columnist for the New York Times, would change uh, Santa Claus, made him, I guess, I don't know, some people's savior, but whatever, made him big and fat. So he would make sure, they'd make sure people would spend money around him because back in those days, fat was the symbol of wealth. Even women uh, was that were heavy were more in demand than small women because if she was fat, they'd say that meant that she had good genes, good blood, everything about her. And the heavier you were, the more you were admired. So that's why old St. Nicholas is big and got that big, long black belt around him, around his stomach. And Walter Mask decided that I, this is the way his saint would look. And he made him old. You know, the beard and everything, all of that was be, he would be a fat old man. And see, this is, uh, you have to think about it. There are certain symbols you don't hardly, rarely see in our society. How often do you see great, big, fat, old people? They're not. They're not around too plenty in our society. Most people who live long are smaller, smaller people. So he made this man unique. And he has been a multi Billion dollar uh, symbol, a symbol of wealth, symbol of money. And you, all of us, going to be hounded for gifts, everything else, spend our money. This is where stores get into the black. Because if all this, if it, the whole year is not determined until we go through Christmas season. These are some of the things that go on. It's not, shouldn't be that uh, the amount of gifts you get or uh, whatever you have to spend decides what kind of Christmas you have. If you're going to celebrate a birth of Christ, you don't get any gift. You've gotten the gift. Remember, they did not exchange gifts among those who brought gifts to Jesus. The gifts, the gifts went to Jesus, not to one another. Think about this thing. Think about it. And when Jesus was brought gifts by the wise men, he was anywhere from 40 days to two years old. He was in a house, not in a stable. Only the shepherds came to him while he was yet in the stable. They had been looking, and they found him. 
We have to understand that the holiday have evolved away from what his greatest first intentions were to do. And when we see and people, you know, we, we talk about what a great season this is. For a lot of people, this is the worst time of the year because if they're lonely, uh, don't get any gifts. Everybody feel bad. They, they feel bad and not everything. So wish somebody that don't look like they have a whole lot. Wish them a Merry Christmas. Share something with them. Share something with people that don't have very much. They, I know that if we come running with our once a year meal at Thanksgiving, now, how they're going to live off once a, one meal a year, I don't know. But be nice Christmas, too, to those <coughs> have-nots. Because this society is so set up. If you don't get certain things, you didn't have a good Christmas. And you had a great Christmas because Christ was born. He was born. You can celebrate it. We don't know the exact date. My... Estimation of the date of the time of when Jesus was born, mine is April 1st. April 1st, Nisan. The first year, the first month on the Jewish calendar, the first day, everything God does, everything Jesus did, he was first. First fruit of them that slept. First fruit of the resurrection. First. Well, why not the first day of the year? That's when I believe he was born. But since we don't know exactly, nobody knows. I know people will tell you and tell you that they do know. Uh, they're lying. There's nobody living today that was born and alive when Jesus was born. All of us just making an estimate. Don't go off and tell folks I said he was born on April 1st. I just believe, my own personal belief. That it was April 1st. And uh, the truth of the matter is he was born. So we want to have a great season. I don't want to rain on your parade. I don't want to rain on your Christmas. And uh, really just want to tell you the truth about the holiday, which was really not called a holiday. It was called a holy day. And that's what it should be. Portrayed holy, not getting drunk, not partying and falling out. Like most, a lot, well, let's say a lot of people do to celebrate Christmas. They party and had themselves a good time partying. Well, if that's what you want, want to do, that's your business. But think about it. Is that the way you? You will celebrate the birth of the Savior of the world. Remember this man, this baby. Mary and the baby, the black Madonna. Both were black. The mother, the baby. Well, did y'all see the pictures the other day of the European leaders go as they do every year and worship the black Madonna? Did y'all go see that? Did y'all see it? Then I don't know, for some reason they don't show that much on Western press. 
if you saw a problem was on your telephone, they don't show you a lot of things. They go on this world. People wake up. This is a big world out there, and it is very broad. A lot of things have gone on that that, that has happened, and it do is happening now. Beginning and be, people are beginning a new awakening of knowledge. This is another renaissance awakening of knowledge. We try to say of who guy has a good education, who don't. I can tell you what. The public school system and most private school systems in America, they are not, you do not get a great education. No, you don't. There's so much and that has gone on. And so much would change America if we only would teach the truth about history. People will change. They would begin then to learn that everybody on this earth has contributed to the good of this world and this nation. America would learn that it didn't grow up with all the symbols and things that they said we, you got here and the way you did this. Some of everybody has contributed to the greatness of America. The only group African Americans and Indians. Indians have gotten a little, but not much. To the greatness of America, African Americans have never received anything for building America, making America as great as it is today. So we have to understand. We need to teach. We need to learn true history. Black men, you need to learn history. You. You have a history book in your home, your history, right there in that black book in your home that had dust on on your coffee table. Dust your Bible off and learn in true black history. Things we we take for granted, things that we do not really know, is right before us. And we, if we could only learn, only learn true history this world will change why do people not want to know or want us to know history why is it why do they hide why is history hidden from most people ask yourself why is it they don't want well Remember, if you don't know from which you come, you don't know where you're going. We have to understand that. If you want to know, take an airplane. The most greatest thing on that plane, that guides that plane, is the tail. That's what guides that plane. Our past guides us. And if you don't have a connection with your past and know your past, you might go in any direction. All right. 972-647-1893. You can call and talk to me at that number right now. 972-647-1893. How will you celebrate 
Christmas. Better get me in this sa- this quarter. Because we will switch after the first quarter. We're going to... You want to comment on how would you like to see Christmas celebrated? 972-647-1893. If you really would like to know, if you really want to make a suggestion for yourself to everyone else, call me. 972-647-1893. Call me. And uh, we will take your calls. This will be the only section this, that this will take place today. This is the last show before Christmas. Give me a call. 972-647-1893. We'll take your calls as they come in. They are coming. All right. And we want to hear from you. Hear about this Christmas. Your suggestion on celebration. Alrighty. Who do we have? Is it our break time? All right. We'll be right back. and ready to go for our well the second segment of the show on the line we'd like to introduce the founder one of the uh, people that's the reason why K-N-O-N is here on the air I've never met him I've heard about him the 35 years I've been here I've heard about him never, never met him but we'd like to say I've heard nothing but good things about him like to say good morning to Wade Rifke. Good morning, Wade. Good morning, Reverend Barnett. Glad to be here with you on KNON. Yes, glad to Most have you here. The people in Dallas. Yes, well, the people in Dallas are doing great. Dallas is a great city. You know, it's a wonderful people. You got some people that are really working and doing others quite naturally. You've lived in Dallas, then you got some that's trying to block. <laughs> Instead of helping others do well, so I'm not in that same that same vein. But anyway, uh, we'd like to say good morning, and uh, I hear you've been working in Atlanta. Well, uh, I have been in Atlanta all week. I got back last night in New Orleans, where I live. Uh, uh, Atlanta is obviously big news. Uh, yes, we had a. Election, as uh, you and all the listeners know, in November, that there's mm-hmm. going to be a change at the top. And now the question on these two runoff races is whether or not everybody uh, gets a chance to weigh in. We've been running a project uh, through ACORN uh, and some of our partners called the Voter Purge Project, trying to make sure that everybody has access to the ballot and the right to vote, mm-hmm. no matter how they vote, Reverend. But uh, that's key, and it's been a fight for the last uh, you know, 60, 70, 100 years, and we're still part of it. And mm-hmm. now people are going to have one last chance for the 2020 cycle to vote, at least in Georgia. Well, I, I, maybe you understand it, but tell me, how can these people of a certain political party 
said we're going around the world, we're trying to bring democracy and the right to vote everywhere we go. We go and fight. We have young men and women die fighting for freedom for others. But at the same time, they try to steal that vote from certain people here in America. Explain that to me. How does that happen? I don't know that I can satisfy you, but I can explain it pretty simply, whether it's Democrats or Republicans. Mm -hmm. uh, the addiction to power sometimes uh, trumps, uh, overrides the commitment to democracy, which requires everyone eligible to vote to be able to vote. Mm -hmm. We make it in the United States so difficult for people to work, we to vote. We claim uh, to set a model for the world, but... We don't have automatic registration. Look at the barriers uh, to registering voters in Texas and so many of our southern states, Louisiana, Arkansas, uh, Mississippi, all of them we work in. Uh, you know how to get people drafted. Uh, everybody, when they get 18, gets a draft card, but we somehow can't get them a voter registration card. And <laughs> it's not like uh, it would be any harder to do so. So uh, it's about if you can't... Uh, convince people to vote your way, how can you keep enough people from not voting the other way and uh, where there are certain demographic groups that tend to vote in certain ways, there's been a lot of interest for different political parties in stopping people from having access. Wow. Now, let me ask you something. Uh, how long did you live in Texas? The, uh, you know, I've never gotten, uh, I've never lived there long enough that I've actually voted in an election, but there were uh, many years in building ACORN where when I added up the days at the end of the calendar, I've been there 30, 60, 70 days uh, mm -hmm. uh, between Houston and Fort Worth and Dallas and Austin where we had offices and uh, with local 100, we still have uh, members in office in both Dallas and Houston. So I, I've spent a lot of time there over the years, but I've never really lived there. You never lived here. Uh, how uh, how did you uh, see Texas when you came here? What was your ideals about Texas? Well, I founded Acorn in 1970, and as we started, uh, as we became more successful at organizing communities of low and moderate income families, white, black, brown, whatever, mm -hmm. we started because we were in Arkansas, uh, Little Rock at the time largely, and other cities in the state, hearing from our people in neighboring states like Texas. So uh, one of the first places we expanded in 1975, in August of 1975, I still remember. You know, it, it gets warm mm -hmm. in Texas, uh, in Dallas-Fort Worth no, area it, in August. It's uh, getting hot. But that's when we began those offices in Dallas and Fort Worth. We had mm -hmm. a good team of organizers who'd worked, and... Uh, we had a lot of people in both of those cities that have been asking us to try to help them build uh, the same thing in Texas. And, you know, it, I can't say it was love at first sight because I'd been at Texas, in Texas so many times before, but uh, certainly the response was huge in terms of uh, people wanting to get involved and organize their neighborhoods, try to get living wages and mm -hmm. uh, fight the utility companies that were, you know, uh, at that time in the 70s and uh, people probably don't remember this, and many of them weren't there. Utility rates were huge, and we were trying to get uh, fixed rates, lifeline rates that mm -hmm. uh, would keep people from getting shut off and were low income or elderly. 
Yes. A lot of fights. All right. Do you remember some of the people that that helped you get Acorn started here in Dallas? Well, one of the I'm sure I do. I mean, one of the great leaders of Acorn uh, in Dallas was Arquilla Smith, mm-hmm. who I believe. Uh, I don't believe it. I know it. She was also uh, one of the stalwart members of the board of the Agape Foundation, which, uh, as you know, is the license holder for what is popularly known as K-N-O-N. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, that's the actual SVP license number. And uh, organizers at that time, uh, you know, Terry Andrews back then, Liz Wolf, uh, obviously, uh uh, Dave Chaos uh, was there. I mean, we had so many great uh, organizers and leaders. I was talking the other day to, on, uh, I do a radio show to, uh, to, uh, Johnny Clark, who was, uh, a leader in the singing, uh, what was the name of his neighborhood? Singing River Neighborhood and, uh, uh, was treasurer of, uh, the national organization and a, a member of the board. Uh, president of the board in Dallas. Uh, so many people. Mm-hmm. How did you enjoy Dallas? How did you? I've always loved Dallas. Uh, uh, you know, I was mainly there working, so, uh, but, you know, we always enjoyed uh, uh, any time we could going to get a little uh, Tex-Mex and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, hear what was going on and uh, clearly uh, as K-N-O-N uh, got back on the air and uh, the listenership broadened and great events. Uh, if we happen to be lucky enough in town, uh, mm-hmm. we could catch people. And uh, Dallas is a great city, as you know, and uh, throughout the broadcast area of K-N-O-N, uh, you know, we had a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you see Dallas as a city? It's a, it's a large city. It's a, very, it's a rich city. But everybody didn't share in that great wealth of Dallas. I, 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 I did you see Dallas? When we began work in Dallas in 1975, it was controlled by the business community lock, stock, and barrel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an outlawed system of government that uh, disenfranchised and ignored uh, anybody who wasn't in the downtown business district, frankly. Uh, but certainly... Uh, even more so uh, uh, black and brown citizens and anybody who was low and moderate income uh, uh, didn't have much of a voice. It was everything for business and business uh, for everything for themselves. That, that was uh, that was the sort of climate we faced when we came in and the, the history of Dallas, as you know, whether it was around civil rights or some of the other things, was not good in the, in the 60s and uh, certainly 1975. Uh, when we began, it was still the same. People weren't used to people getting together in, in organizations and speaking clearly about the issues that uh, they thought needed to be done uh, because the city was mainly dedicating resources to those people who the business community favored and where they were opening malls and businesses. So mm-hmm. uh, it was uphill, uh, but uh, those are hills you have to climb, Reverend Barnett. Yeah, that, that, that's something that, uh, what asked me this? Why would you, a white man, would come in and spend your time working with 
all people, low, low to moderate income people, when you could have gone on and got with the big wheels and and uh, and, and and went the total opposite direction, why would you come in and work with low to moderate income people? Why? Now, Reverend Barnett, uh, this is something you'll understand uh, as a man of the cloth, but. Uh, for me, it was a calling. Uh, it was something that uh, always was deep in the way I believed about people. And uh, I once had a problem in high school. Uh, I was accused of having something called a Manichaean sense of justice. I had to go back to the books and look it up. And uh, mm-hmm. Manichaeus was a judge in Hades uh, mm-hmm. who couldn't see the middle. It was always black and white, right and wrong. And, mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason, uh, I just didn't think it was right that people um, in a supposed democracy uh, weren't treated equally, uh, didn't have equal opportunity, didn't have an equal voice. And um, those, when I was coming of age and getting out of high school and whatever, uh, these were uh, the 1960s where uh, you had to make choices about life. Uh, were you going to Vietnam? Were you not going to Vietnam? Was it right to go to war? Was it not? Was it right to, for people to not have the right to vote who are African American? Uh, was mm-hmm. it, you know, there was, where was the place for women? Um, and you had to, to make decisions about whether or not you were going to be part of the problem or part of the solution. And, um, to me, if I was going to think something, I needed to do something about that. And, uh, as I, uh, got a little older. Um, it turned out when I was 20 years old that uh, I had some ability to work with people and help them build organizations that spoke to their issues and aspirations. And boy, once I found that not only did I believe something, but I could actually do something to work with people to help, mm-hmm. um, I never looked back. All right. All right. Those of you who are listening, you can call 972-647-1893 if you, tr- you try to get in. With uh, uh, our guest this morning, he's not really a guest, he's a founder of KNON Radio. Uh, 972-647-1893. All right, uh, let's, uh, Jason, bring us, bring me some calls. Sure, this yeah. is a call from Gerald. Gerald, all righty. Good, good morning, Gerald. Hello? Go right ahead. You're on air. Yes, um, wow. <laughs> I missed three flights uh, Thursday night, Thursday, going down there to South Texas. I went in the airport for 12 hours. You know, Brother Burnett, first of all, let me say good morning. Good morning, definitely, to the founder of the station. Good morning. Good morning. Brother Burnett, good morning. I want to say thank you as well. You're a very wise, trusting, and learned man. That not holding back. I'm teaching us the correct way. I'm 54 and I'm still teaching. Want to be more teachable? I am more teachable now than I was when I was my knucklehead days. No. I'm learning something yes. every morning when I come on here. Saturday in the morning, and mm-hmm. I said what I said about the flights because if I had made it back home yesterday, like I was supposed to have been, whether I wanted to be, I probably would have missed the station this morning. Well, aren't you glad you made it? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm driving 500 miles back. I didn't fly back. I'm driving back. Okay. And 
I was going to be back at the house by 4 o'clock this morning. I said, no, let me just take my time, because I want to hear the station this morning. Praise be to God that I'm hearing it. I want to say some other things, but I'm not. Okay. Uh, I want to listen to you guys. All right, thank you. Thanks, y'all. Uh-huh. Thank you, but let me let you in on something. You can listen to Kano Yeni anywhere on planet Earth. Listen to your telephone. I Google it anywhere I am and get in, and it's just as clear or clearer on telephone a lot of times than listening to your radio here in Dallas. So that's one way you, anywhere you go. You can always listen to KNON. All right, and that clears the line, 972-647-1893. Who do we have, Jason? We have a call from Sojourner. All righty. Good morning, Sojourner. Hello? Hello? Yes. Yes, go right ahead. Uh, good morning. Uh, good morning. Interesting topic, you mentioned the word knowledge, and... Uh, I'm reading a book, uh, it's called The Post-Capitalistic Society, and in that book it talks about every so so many hundred years, there's a shift that occurs all over the world. And the last shift that was supposed to, according to the author of the book, is to be in 2020. And that shift would go from the post-industrial age uh, management society, information society to a society where we're supposed to be now is the knowledge society. Mm-hmm. Knowledge knowledge will abound. And this is why when you, when I heard you, first word I heard you say this morning when I woke up was knowledge. And that's why I wanted to call and say what is going on is part of the normal flow of, of what, how things have happened in the world, not just in America, in the world, mm-hmm. over, uh, over every 200 years, it's out there saying every 200 years, the world goes through a uh, change. Well, let, let's let uh, Wade uh, comment on that. Wade, uh, are you familiar with that? I'm not familiar with that book. I'm listening pretty carefully, though. It obviously uh, has some interest for the gentleman calling in, so... Um, it's uh, probably worth uh, taking a look, but it's hard to predict the past and future based on cycles. So uh, you never know if it's just a pattern that seems to evolve or something real. But this is just me talking. Up. This is not my area of expertise, Reverend. Okay. All righty. But um, that, that's, that's, that's food for thought. I really I haven't ever read that book either, but I, I plan to get it. I plan to get that book. The book is by Peter Drucker. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for your information. I clears the line, 972. Certainly a famous uh, business management consultant. Yes. Oh, yeah. 972-647-1893. Who do we have? Uh, Let's go to Abraham. All righty. Good morning to Abraham. Abraham? Yes, you're on air, Abraham. Oh, how you doing? Yes. Yes, uh huh. Right, right. uh, you're on with uh, Wade Rifke. Yes, go go right here. Yeah, well, I was just saying, I've always, uh, when I first found out about it, somebody told me about the um, program being the voice of the people. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so uh, hearing the 
talking. Uh, uh, thank like you. I hope y'all to kind of explain. You know, I'm I'm uh, kind of transplanted Texan from uh, Houston area, and then East Texas, where I married my wife, and then relocated here to mm-hmm. be educated. And now the security not listed the fuck as a security, but just to uh, if you maybe can explain to me a little bit about uh, how you know with the diversity on the different programming that you have, the different uh, formats like your you know like your talk show, and then a gospel in the morning, and then the uh, different styles of music, Latino, and well, how did that come about? How did it be so successful? I know y'all have the the uh, different drives, you know, for the pledges, you know, to, to keep that work going without public funding. How, how does that work? And it's really kind of, <laughs> it's really, you know, inspiring to me. You know, I try to get so many people involved you know, to, you know, you know, for a city that's, you know, has some, you know, prejudice background. Yes. Uh, Wade, did you have this type of station in mind when you, when you uh, came up with the idea of Kano in? Absolutely. The whole heart of uh, non-commercial radio at and the way that we built uh, community stations is giving voices to people on the radio who aren't part of the top 40 market, aren't part of uh, this, that, and the other, but uh, don't hear themselves on the radio or the kinds of talk and music and interests that they're interested in. So uh, KNON, like uh, other stations that we're involved with, or community radio, largely uses something called block programming. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, people know that they're going to find gospel in the early mornings. They're going to find, you know, blues at other times or jazz or Indian mm-hmm. music or uh, different shows around public affairs. Uh, mm-hmm. And from the very earliest days, we had a, a show on labor that uh, our union was involved in. Acorn had a show. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, uh, uh, I always say, look, it's 24 times 7. There's a lot of hours that we can fit in unique programming if we have people who are willing to bring their voices, get trained by the station, and figure out a way to appeal to people for support. All of this requires the generosity of people's hearts. You know, and the way we pass the collection plate, so to speak, is during pledge drives and regular membership in our stations where people are paying a couple of dollars or $10 or whatever every month to keep us on the air and able to do the kinds of things that you're doing right now in the show and other hosts uh, are doing and to get the kind of huge listenership we have in Dallas and mm-hmm. Rock, New Orleans and other places where we have Voice of the People stations. Okay. Great. I tell you what, we, right now we're up against a short break. And y'all can know, y'all know the number, 972-647-1893 to reach us and we'll be right back. Uh, Wade, let me ask you something. Uh, uh, did you know Leon Gowan? Oh, absolutely. Knew him well and knew him for years and years. He was a great acorn leader in the neighborhood, and he was uh, on the board of the Agape Foundation. And uh, 
he was the chief bottle boss. I mean, he was everywhere. He would help us uh, make sure the I mean, we were over on San Vicento for a long time, and that was a building that was always falling apart. And Leon was a property manager, if you knew his uh, oh, yeah. living. And mm-hmm. thank God he knew something about how to get things fixed, because we would have had the whole station and the Acorn offices and everything else fall down on our in our lap if it hadn't been for for Leon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he and I used to talk all the time. He told me about a lot about the development of KNON and things that had to happen for, in order for this to keep just happening, keep going. And it's, in a way, it's all, it was almost a miracle, wasn't it? Well, that's exactly right because the original idea for the station came from uh, a man named Lorenzo Nylon who was sort of Many people see him as sort of the father of community radio, alternative uh, radio, and mm-hmm. he had had some stations in St. Louis and he tried some things in California, and he came to Dallas because he had uh, knew there was a frequency that applied for it. Uh, it was going to be a hundred thousand watts big station, uh, mm-hmm. as big as you can get, and there's very, very few hundred thousand watt non-commercial stations. Mm-hmm. He. Uh, started putting it together, but he was trying to build it, you know, in a Cadillac fashion as opposed to bailing wire and chewing gum, which is the way most of our stations are put together, and uh, it ran into problems. The, the, the money he had sort of was running out, and it was just such a new station, they didn't have the kind of support that KNON enjoys now. This is called KCHU, K-C-H-U. Mm-hmm. And long and short of it, uh, he sort of got tapped out and uh, the host tried to keep it alive and it went off the air. Uh, and uh, we basically, after it was off the air, uh, and I, I wish I could remember whether it was a six months or eight months or whatever, Leon, uh, Arquilla Smith, uh, a local lawyer and others, uh, we put the board back together for Agape and mm-hmm. rebuilt the station from scratch. Um, had to get Equipment was gone, everything was gone, uh, and we went back on the air as KNON because we had to reapply for we because we'd gone dark, which is what the FCC calls it. Uh, mm-hmm. We had to reassert the reasons we'd gone dark and why the problems were, come up with new call letters, and then uh, I hate to say this, uh, but we had a huge problem because the First Baptist Church, Reverend. Where's Criswell? Yep. Uh, do you remember that mm-hmm. name back there? W. They had a radio station. And, you know, as I was was learned up, uh, you weren't supposed to covet something to somebody else's. <laughs> but yeah. that must not have been Reverend Criswell's uh, uh, bringing up. And uh, so they then tried to file on our license um, mm-hmm. to deny us the chance to rebuild the station. Because mm-hmm. his license didn't allow him to have 100,000 watts. And after a long struggle there with the FCC, uh, we ended up still being able to be on the air, but we had to basically trade frequencies. Um, he ended up with where we were, and we ended up sort of with where he was, the mm-hmm. 60,000 watts. And, you know, we still did the job. But still, uh, you know, uh, we got, when you say it was sort of, Miracle and magic, I mean, that's why. I mean, we could have lost everything because we'd gone out and sort of, it was one of those Phoenix Rising things. It was mm-hmm. dead and it came back to life and look at it now. And 
Um, you know, certainly uh, we wish we still had uh, that extra range, but thanks to technology and many other things, we have a huge audience that gets to listen to KNOM. That's right. I uh, remember the station manager at the time when we were having the problems with uh, KCVI was uh, Jeff Murray. Was Jeff here when you were here? I know Jeff well. You know, Jeff was originally from Canyon City, Texas, south of uh, Morello, where uh, mm-hmm. the Palo Duro Canyon is. Yeah. And had been an organizer for Acorn in Fort Worth uh, mm-hmm. for a while and uh, worked for us in New Orleans for a while. And uh, we drafted him to try something, uh, try something different. And uh, he was station manager in a time of, of uh, real turmoil that did a wonderful job and the head organizer at that time, mm-hmm. Terry Andrews. Uh, the two of them were uh, really the secret along with the leadership and board members and a lot of hosts uh, that had great shows, kept it all in the air. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happened to Jeff. I, I, I think about him often, but, but I lost touch with him. Um, mm-hmm. And this was before, you know, Facebook's a new thing. You can find almost everybody now, Reverend, but then, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, it's easy to lose people in the in the in the woods and uh, I'd like to find that's you know. who that's who convinced me to come over to KNON was Jeff Murray I bet he did yes I was He's on a another radio forward pro- young man you know yeah. mm-hmm. he told me he heard me on another radio station he asked me to come over there and, and do a talk show I said talk about what he said just come on and talk think of something to talk about and he brought it on that's been 35 years ago and uh We've been talking ever since uh, that well, time. you know, here's an interesting footnote. Jeff was trained as a barber. Is that right? So, yeah. He had, <laughs> I never uh, knew that. His family uh, believed that you should have a trade. So uh, he was trained as a barber and was cutting hair. And uh, mm-hmm. when we found him as an organizer and, uh, you know, for a while, he made a couple extra dollars. I'm trying to remember. Organizers, too. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. What was his wife's name? Uh, Boy, I tried to remember that, too, because I thought uh, maybe she'd be... Everybody called her by her first name. Uh, Now, as soon as this show's over, it'll come to me. But (laughs) anybody out there remember Jeff Murray's wife's name? Because she she worked hard here at the station. She worked hard. Who knows who remembers, but uh, they were were great people. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. And, you know, yeah, I always yeah. assumed he'd gone back to Texas. I mean, I remember where he was living in New Orleans and whatnot, but uh, I just don't know. I don't know what happened to Jeff. Yeah. Why, who knows? Mm-hmm. I'm, not, some, uh, I'm not going to hog. Like old men talk now, Reverend. Yeah. It was a long time ago. Yeah. I'm not going to hog the land. All our lands have been full since you've been on the air. Uh, they bring me up some calls. Uh, All right. Listen. This is Bill. Bill? All righty. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Patrick. Good morning. You're on with uh, Wade Rishby. Yes, I just want to say thank you. Mm-hmm. Being the founder of the station, it's just refreshing that and you don't find this kind of uh, programming anywhere in America, hardly. You know, it's, mm-hmm. just, it's mostly corporate, you know, uh, talk shows and whatnot, right. the corporate life and whatnot. But, and, uh, it's just very rare. I wish there were more stations like this, but anyway, I just want to say thank you. <laughs> thank you. And it's really appreciated. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to listening to it every time. Thank you. Every day. And not, thank not you. every day, but thank most you, Bill. Mm-hmm. Thank you. 
that's all I have for this morning. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Your check's in the mail. All right. Okay. 972-647-1893. It clears that line. All right. Bring me up another. All right. We're going to Tony. Tony. All righty. Good morning, Tony. Tony. Good morning, Reverend. Good morning. Good morning. You know, with Wade Rifkin this morning, one of the founders, the main people that the reason why I can't win is here now. Go right ahead. Yes, I wanted to um, say that the uniqueness of this of this of the station. I listen to Eddie D A D at eight o'clock, which is rap. Mm-hmm. I listen to the Jamaican um, uh, reggae on ten o'clock on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I listen to 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 talk on on Saturday, and mm-hmm. the variety of choices you have. Mm-hmm. I even listened when Acorn was on, but anyway. That's, mm-hmm. that's the beauty of it. And to, to, to tag on to what you two guys talked about earlier, is this, we can really lose a radio station, a radio station in Dallas. And for two hours, it had community uh, input. Mm-hmm. It appears, not only then to now, is that whatever access to the community has to have feedback, they're cutting off. And KNON has lasted the volunteer money that I really did a whole lot of advertising mm-hmm. you know, on it. And and, and, and like gentlemen said earlier, the, the uniqueness of, of this station to be a community asset. Mm-hmm. And the sadness is, is, is this, when you lose a voice that communicates to the community, you allow the oligarch and the plutocrat to control mm-hmm. the narratives of city politics, city schools. Mm-hmm. And in the sad case is this, we should have more listeners on KNON, but the fact of it is that, you know, we have a, 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 a massive group of people who just have to be entertained. And I got to think the gentleman started, you know, I've been listening to, you know, at least the past 15, 20 years. So thank you, gentlemen, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to keep you giving money as, as I can. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much for your call. Close the line, 972-647-1893. Who do you have? So I've gotten some answers as, as to who Jeff uh, Murray's wife's name was, but they're different answers. So does, uh, Gail, G- G- does Gail ring a bell? Gail. G- Gail. Yes. We think it's yeah, Gail. Uh, That's Gail. You was Gail. Yeah. 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 I don't know who that was. Well, eh? Now I ask if anybody knows where they are. You gonna go on and push our luck, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I know where they are. Call and tell them. A minute ago, Reverend. I mean, I, I believe in them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Any those listeners who know where they are, call and let us know because I I've heard from Jeff in many years, many years. Already, let's go back to our phone line. Okay, we'll go, we're gonna go to Eddie. Eddie. All right. Good morning, Eddie. Hello? Yes. Yes, go right in. You're on air, Eddie. Uh Uh-huh. Good morning, great reverend. How are you this morning? All is well. Thank you. Thank you. I just wanted to call uh, great reverend and wish you and your guest, uh, uh, Mr. Risby, I believe, Mr. Wade Risby. Risby. And uh, just one eternal Merry Christmas and... On eternal happy new year. All I right. Do such a, 
a great job. You decide your time and your mind and your heart oh, and your you. profession. Thank I you. I just really want to thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, we thank you. Thank you for your call. We thank you. All right. A closing line, 972-647-1893. All righty, who we have? Let's go to Rose. Rose? All righty. Good morning, Rose. Good morning. Good. I know I'm not going to pronounce his name correctly, but Mr. Wade, I want to say that I think I, in the spirit, I know you, per, I think I know you spiritually, personally, and I want to say thank you to Reverend Barnett. I want to thank you both being such gentle, gentle men after God's heart with a voice. If God is for you, who can be against you? And I want to thank you both. I thank you, Wade, for found this, found this, oh, this, this, this voice that has been given to the community. And I thank Reverend Barnett for being a great heart, too. So I going to tell you, thank you both of you men. I love you, and may God continue to bless you both. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Rose. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. Thank you very much. Wade, what do you think about it? You know, uh, I think that it's been a wonderful experience spending time with you, Reverend Barnett. Uh, you know, we know when we first uh, started the station, they had a formula, and I don't know if that exists anymore, that you could tell how many thousands of people were listening for every phone call you got. And mm-hmm. listening to all the people sort of in line and having questions and comments and thoughts, uh, mm-hmm. uh, that's what a voice of the people is, uh, a chance to be heard and to be able to communicate uh, across the airwaves, so to speak, with other people, and who knows what might come of these kinds of things. Great ideas, mm-hmm. interesting problems to solve, and uh, this is one of the wonderful things about radio. Yeah, and a lot of it, I have to give him credit. We have a a very good, a very good station manager now. Uh, Dave Chaos, very good. It takes, it begins with a good station manager, too. This thing begins with that, and uh, we have a good one right now. We have a great, really a great well, Dave one. Dave came up yeah. from the ranks. Uh, yeah. You know, recently uh, we did a podcast, and I, I assume it's uh, on on the air on the website for KNON now, looking back at the history. And mm-hmm. Dave uh, was with us for a long time in a lot of different positions with the station. He was mm-hmm. responsible for building the entire underwriting program. And right. Whether we like it or not, uh, without real resources, you can't pay the light bill and pay the light right. bill and uh, be able to transmit the, you know, from the tower to the station and around. And uh, uh, mm-hmm. when he became station manager, he brought that same sensibility, the commitment to the music, the commitment to the people and the host. And uh, he's done a wonderful job and been a great steward of the station for many, many years. Yeah. And we have been through some trying times here. I mean, uh, I can drive down the streets a few blocks down the streets and look. We were in a high-rise building and look at a tornado came through. And only thing you can see there now is dirt. And this was a high-rise in North Dallas. Uh, we've had some things that have happened that's really that that have proved that KNON is obviously has been ordained by God because. With all that has happened to this station in the last year or two, we shouldn't even be here. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, well, it's Jeff, the will of the people. Yeah, and uh, Dave uh, pulled this, pulled us through. He did. He had to. He, he knew how to work with people and get things done. He done. 
But anyway, I'm completely out of time. I'm, we're complete. This has been a fast time. Wow, this was a fast interview. I really hate it. Was it. Wonderful. This is Wade Brasky. It's been wonderful being with you, Reverend Barnett. And I wish uh-huh. you all the luck uh, every Saturday when you're on. And all right, thank keep you. Keep on keeping on. All right, thank you, Wade. Uh huh. You have a good day. All right. All right, we got to get out of here. Got to run nine seven two six four seven one eight nine three and get ready for our number two. Your guest, your special guest, was be Congresswoman Eddie Bernice Johnson. We'll be right back. Well, it's time to make that change. People of the world today are fading. All of us have our ups and downs. You better think about it or you won't be around. All right, we're back and ready for our number two of Church Information and Open Forum. And uh, we've got a lot of things about uh, talk about. But uh, let me remind you, tomorrow morning, 9.30, on Facebook, Marion Barnett Sr., listen to Heavenly Joy Church, listen to us. Tomorrow morning, 9.30, just come on, be with us tomorrow morning, 9.30, on Facebook, Marion Barnett Sr., and uh, we will be ready for you tomorrow morning, Lord, say the same. Uh, 9.30, tomorrow morning, Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, 9.30, yeah, on Facebook. All righty. But right now, we'd like to welcome to our KNON hotline uh, a United States Congresswoman, uh, which is this Congress and every other things that are happening. Uh Wow, we're facing some struggles here. Yes, we got the White House, but the other thing, there are a lot of people in Washington that are very important to further betterment of this nation. We'd like to say good morning to Congresswoman Eddie Renice Johnson. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm just fine. I was, I've been listening to you for a while. Oh, you have? <laughs> oh, yeah. We had... Uh, the founder of uh, KNON Radio on this morning. Mm-hmm. And when we presented some of the other founders, uh, uh, um, Mr. Quilla Smith, she's a lady that worked hard, and the man that put up the money for this station, a black man, uh, he's the founder. They were, it was people working together, and with uh, they came on with a lot of... Uh, Gospel shows and they're doing different things and people went from door to door, church to church, raising money to uh, keep this station on there, put it on and keep it on. So that's that's what happens when people work together, work in unison. And uh, so it was a beautiful thing. Beautiful. Yes. But right now, uh, we got something going on in Georgia. How important is that election, those two Senate seats in uh, Georgia? How important is that? It's, it's extremely important, those two seats. And essentially, we'll have somewhat of a majority because it'll be 50-50. And that way, if there's a tie, mm-hmm. uh, vice president uh, yeah. will break that tie. Mm-hmm. And it makes a lot of difference because even up until today, this president is still filling these federal benches. Mm-hmm. 
with very young right-wing judges, which makes it very difficult for us to stick by the law uh, for equality and justice. Well, not appointing anybody that he thinks will follow the Constitution, really. In these four short years that he's been there, with uh, he's appointed what over two hundred of those uh, federal judges. Yes. That that and they are right wing white conservatives that could really make it hard on down the road. I mean, twenty, thirty, forty years from now, is that right? Oh, indeed, uh, because it's a lifetime appointment. And if he puts them there when they're in their 30s, then we're looking at almost 50 years Mm -hmm. of of that possibility of serving because uh, they can serve until they either die or or decide to retire. Mm -hmm. What about this lady that he put on the Supreme Court uh, out of Florida? Uh, She's not. She looks to be in her property in her 40s. Is, uh, do you know, if she's 40. If she's 40. Uh, I know she has young children. Right. Mm-hmm. So she could be there a easy 40 years. Yes. God have mercy. And, uh, he's made, well, he made sure he, he did his thing with those judges. But now, in order for Biden to get his program going, uh, would he not need the Senate and uh, whoever the heads the Senate? If, if you know, if you if it goes Democratic, you have a Democrat head in the Senate. If it stays the way it is, it'll have a Republican. Which means, how much could he really get passed? with a Republican one from Kentucky. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, What could he do with a a senator that's conservative as this guy is? Well, it's difficult to tell, but we know this. We've seen his record, Mm -hmm. and we have no reason to believe that he will change. No? I think the only thing that he will change is where the vote is. Mm-hmm. Now, the fact that uh, the president, incoming president, served in the Senate for so long, outserved the majority of the people who are there now, mm-hmm. and the vice president having served in the Senate, uh, hopefully some relationships will be better because <laughs> it all depends on relationships. However, mm-hmm. uh, with the meanness of which they have shown in this majority, under this president, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not that can be worked is, is really not clear. We, we hope that can be the case, that they will uh, try to, he'll try to reason with them. But mm-hmm. reasoning has gone out the window under the current president. Mm-hmm. Well, by him working in the Senate and knowing just about all the guys that are there and women, do you think he might could get something done that uh, that uh, you don't think they would give him some kind of grace since he's been well, 
a friend with some of them. We'll, we'll find out their attitude when they start having to confirm his cabinet. Mm-hmm. I think that will show up very soon and will also um, show their initial attitude. Mm-hmm. Well, now, he and his cabinet, uh, have you been happy with uh, many of, uh, with his selections for all those cabinet positions? Uh, just on the fringe. On the fringe. Yes. Yes, uh, I, I really agree with what he's doing. He knows what he's facing. So he's getting very qualified people uh, with experience in those areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of them are not well-known nationally, mm-hmm. but many have been performing at a federal level somewhere behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And he's also getting a very diverse cabinet, which is what he what he committed to doing. Mm-hmm. And so, right, I, I'm not sure how this current Senate is going to react to such diversity. Hmm. Uh, just weak. Uh, the first Native American in history. Actually, the first Native American in history to serve in the House. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, but it's the Interior, uh, to be Secretary of Interior, mm-hmm. which is a great step forward. I, I know her very well. We work together mm-hmm. in the House. But it, it's almost to them, it's like what we felt like when we got the first African American. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, somebody's uh, administration. So it's historic that the people who were here when we so-called discovered America is just now getting an opportunity Mm -hmm. to have someone serve at that level. Right. I think it was uh, the first black congressperson, I guess in 26, that wasn't Adam Clayton Powell, was it? Well, it depends on how far you want to go back. You know, there were a number of blacks uh, mm-hmm. before. Reconstruction, were, yeah. Mm-hmm. There were quite a few then in the 1800s. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I, I really was just looking at basically the 20th century, more modern-day times. Yes, he had, he's the one that had um, a very high profile. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we had a Republican senator, uh, Senator Brooke, right. who didn't act like the Republican acting now. Yeah. No, he was out of Massachusetts, wasn't he? Ed Brooks? Was, was, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am sure did at that time. But we, uh, we, uh, I don't know. And I, the, might, I might add that the senators uh, who served before Reconstruction were all black Republicans. Mm-hmm. But that was, at that time, <laughs> you know, the party switched. I know. And so mm-hmm. it, they were not the same type of Republicans that we see uh, now. No, no, no. Well, even in fact, in the 60s, 1960s, uh, the Republicans then were different from Republicans now. They were. Oh, yeah. Because it took Republicans to help 
passed the civil rights and voting rights bill, open housing. Republicans uh, voted in it also. Now, the vast majority were Democrats and a Democratic president, but you had some good Republicans back in those days. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have never seen Republicans act as mean as they've acted under this current president. So I think the influence of the president uh, has taken us back uh, probably a half century. Mm-hmm. Easily, easily, easily a half century. Yes, it has. I tell you what, I'm not going to hog the calls. Uh, let's. I'm going to bring some callers on the line. All right. Uh, who do we have next? All right. Up next, we have Leon. All righty. Good morning, Leon. Good morning. Yes, go right ahead. Young Congresswoman Johnson. Uh, yes, uh, Congresswoman Johnson. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you for being consistent when you come on the show and allow the, uh, your constituents to uh, access your, uh, your your office. Uh, thank you very much. But uh, I have a question. I'm working with a group of gentlemen uh, who are interested in creating a financial institution in the southern sector. And I would like to see if I can get your assistance. Uh, and also, if, if you could get uh, Congressman Maxine Waters to help us, uh, since she's on the banking committee. So I want to know how I could go about uh, getting your assistance to help us put this, uh, this institution together. Because the odds that the series Banking Below 30, uh, we've been trying to do this for a couple of years now, but that, that series on television has made it more obvious that we need this institution. Well, uh, you know, I was a part of the organization of a black uh, financial institution here in Dallas. Uh, it is not a legislative organization. It's really from the executive branch. Uh, you, I, I don't know how many investors you've gotten, but it takes quite a bit of money gathered in order to show the viability uh, of a bank. Now, and even after you do that, you got to find a corresponding bank. Now, what a corresponding bank is, is a larger bank that will back up a smaller bank uh, transactions because uh, minority banks all over the country, many have closed because of not having enough money. That's why the one in, in Dallas uh, closed because our correspondent bank, you know, if we went through a, a big crash uh, in the early 80s and our corresponding banks closed, we first had First National that went under, then we had um, Republic that went under, then we had uh, Mercantile, and when Mercantile went under, it took us, it took Sunbelt Bank with it. And so the first thing you need to do is make sure that you've got investors with a large amount of money uh, to put it together to even get off the first line of being ready to be incorporated. If you're talking about a national bank, and it's usually a little easier for a national bank than it is a state bank. 
to put together. So uh, you uh, you have to. Where are you in terms of organization? Are you have you been in in touch with the banking organization, the organizations uh, in Washington, uh, FDI, in Yes, we've talked to the Comptroller of Currency. We talked to the FDIC. Uh, we I've also got some uh, pretty well-off investors uh, that that do have the money that's necessary to uh, get started. And I would I would like to talk to you uh, more, you know, on perhaps a conference call or something like that that I could bring in uh, my different people. You can see who we're working with. So that's what I'd really like to do if you get it. If you could, uh, if we could arrange that. Okay, because it is it is the executive branch, not the legislative branch, uh, that you'll have to to work with. And if when you get all all your mechanisms in place, uh, you know, to capitalize a bank, uh, you've got to have up into the million uh, guaranteed yeah. by uh, investors. And yeah, we yeah. we went that we actually when we started Sunbelt Bank, we ended up almost door to door uh finding persons that would invest. Uh it might be a difficult time right now because even our wealthiest people are a little cautious uh about giving up a lot of money. And I can tell you you are jointly and severally when you make those investments. So whatever commitments you have, every individual as well as the group have to be willing to give up whatever they're putting in uh, because you're jointly and severally uh, invested uh, to back up the money. You, you know, a bank is a source of money, and that source of money has got to be in place if a bank is going to operate. Uh, okay. I don't know what capitalizing with, but you, it's it's going to take quite a bit of capitalization mm -hmm. to open a bank. Yeah, and you got to have a facility. Uh, it, it it it's not easy, and that's why that's why practically every black bank in this country has closed. Mm. Well, I tell you what, we're going to take a short break. Nine seven two six four seven one eight nine three is the number to call, and we'll be right back. you your special guest this morning or your special person she's not really a guest but uh your special person this morning congresswoman eddie bernice johnson all right bring me up a call another call all right up next we have jo who do we have joe 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 all righty good morning joe Hey, you, Reverend Bernard, top of the morning. How you doing, Congressman? Fine. How you doing? All right. Is Congressman still there? Yeah, she's there. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Look, I would first like to say, you know, thank her for our service and enjoy that piece about the history of the station. That's one, Reverend. That's very 
enlightening and uh, mm-hmm. uh, really covered a lot of ground. But mm, uh, getting to the uh, congressman and the state of the presidency, this president, Trump, 45, has set this country back about five decades or more. He set mm-hmm. it back. And you guys got a lot of heavy lifting to do. But uh, leapfrogging ahead, uh, there are tools and that must be put in place because you could have another president that's just as deranged and mentally unhinged that could come in and do the very same thing. For example, not sharing briefing information with Biden when he needs that information. We've been hacked over in the Department of Treasury and other places. Parts of the military has been hacked. And no action has been taken. No one has been warned. And the beat just goes on and on. And we gotta make sure that there's something in place if another nut like that gets there, that there would be checks and balances in place because what we have presently is not working. It's just not working. I was looking online this morning and I saw something that's a little bit over on the silly side, but you never know when you're dealing with a silly president, is that the MAGA military, MAGA military, is asking Trump not to leave, uh, that they will militarily stand up and he will stay in office because he duly won. All this kind of craziness. We know that Secret Service and others are very good with taking out bags of trash from the White House. But that's some stuff that uh, is silliness that we don't need. There's a pandemic that's still uh, that's spiking and spiking and spiking. People need relief. Those food lines, uh, they started off about uh, maybe several blocks long. Now those cars, people, truck folks waiting to get food, they extend four miles or better. So I'll get off the line and let you address some of that. Okay. Congresswoman? Yes. Did you get that? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. I, okay. All right. Ready? Mm-hmm. We, 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 we all see what we get when we don't vote. We ought to be warned that voting is extraordinarily important. That's why I'm hoping that we'll get a strong vote out uh, in Georgia. And we'll also see just how we could be fooled by manipulation of polls. Because all the way up to election day in Texas, they kept saying that we were even on a few, a point or two ahead. And then we lost it by the, uh, eight or ten points. And we did not win a single new seat in Congress when the polls showed we could win about six additional ones in Texas. So all of this experience can teach us how important it is to vote, uh, to make sure that we know what we're getting uh, when we cast that vote. It's going to take probably more than one presidency to clear up all the damage that's been done worldwide uh, with this president. 
and still he is not our only thing. He has been defeated, but he is still trying every way that he can to give put in the minds of people that it was a crooked election, which is not the case. More people participated in this election than ever before in history. This is one of the largest wins of a president in a very long time. Mm-hmm. So he's got more votes than ever been cast in history to elect a president. And yet you've got this president wreaking havoc, mm-hmm. threatening, mm-hmm. threatening to have a big rally uh, and bring all his people to Washington mm-hmm. on and off day. And uh, th- that's what's kept this virus so viable is all these gatherings ignoring the fact that they are using any precaution. Uh, that we, First of all, the way the president handled the first place, let it get out of hand from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then used all the remedies in a very political fashion. Uh, because in Texas, our major cities have Democrats as mayors. Mm-hmm. And many have Democrats as county judges. Mm-hmm. And he tried his best to make them laugh for information as well as supplies. So mm-hmm. the virus really got out of hand. First of all, scientists had already predicted that there would probably be a pandemic. Mm-hmm. President Obama put together a big research team to try to get ahead of it. Mm-hmm. This president dismantled all of that. Dr. Fauci was there trying to put that together long before we got a diagnosed case in this country. Mm-hmm. Dismantled it all. And then when we tried to start getting supplies, he put his son or son-in-law in charge so they could get a fee, pass through fee, mm-hmm. or distributing supplies. I have never seen a president use the White House to a personal gain like this one. He claimed he was a billionaire. He might be, I don't think he was then. He won't release his record. But I bet you he probably is now. Because uh, everything that he has done is when it comes to money making, he's been part of it through the way he's used his family mm-hmm. in strategic places to make money. Could he possibly go to jail? Uh, I don't know. You know, he moved his residence from New York because the Attorney General in New York mm-hmm. was gathering up a lot of material. He is mm-hmm. now trying to figure whether he can uh, do anything to get him off from under any kind of charges. Uh, he, uh, men, and we don't know how many people he'll pardon before he leaves, but he's trying to figure out whether or not he can pardon himself before he's even charged with the crime. <laughs> he's going to pardon himself. Uh, he wants to. Which lets you know that he knows a lot of things that probably he could be charged with. Mm-hmm. If he's for a pardon before he's even charged anything. Some of it could be treason. Yes, I think 
uh, just almost every crime you can accuse a person at that high level uh, of doing, uh, it, it has some appearance that he's been involved like a dictator. Right. But whether or not we, he stacked all these benches and he stacked the Supreme Court, and I, I, I really do believe that he was trying to protect himself, mm-hmm. just like he tried to protect himself in contesting this election. Mm-hmm. He has not been able to be successful, even Republican leadership uh, in these states have had to acknowledge that he didn't win. Mm-hmm. Uh. They're disappointed that they did not uh, rule on his side. Even the Supreme Court saw so clearly how he had lost this race. He still appealed all the way to the Supreme Court. So far, they have not found any legal reason to overturn this election. No matter what he said, and he said a lot of things about it being taken and fraud and Mm-hmm. And we have no uh, no fraud. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have not seen uh, people not qualified voting. Mm-hmm. We saw an overwhelming turnout. Uh, I must say that in Texas, we could have done better. Uh, I kept trying to say to our state people that Republicans were walking from door to door with masks and gloves. And we were dependent on the telephone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they are workers in Texas. Yeah. They did not spend. I sure hate that. Mm-hmm. Because I really thought he, we had a chance to go Democrat in Texas. We did have a chance. We just didn't work. Especially in South Texas. We lost. We lost 40 to 45 percent of the Hispanic vote that was cast. Mm-hmm. Well, well how, how did we lose that much? Because they worked together. They went from door to door spreading their propaganda. Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't, I didn't, I really thought, I really thought we, we, we could eat, eat Texas out. But anyway, let's go to our phone lines and uh, who do we have? Up next, we have Randy. All righty. Good morning, Randy. Good morning. How you doing? Fine. How are you? I'm doing great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to, in, for the sake of time, I'm going to throw some stuff out there. And if I'm wrong, uh, Congresswoman, you can correct me. I think there's a situation in America with our, with our leadership in the Congress and the Senate of a disconnection. I don't think there's one congressperson or one senator that's got a stack of five or six thousand dollars in back rent and worried about getting kicked out on the street December 26. I don't think there's one congressman or senator or congressperson or senator that is worried about being able to buy food or medication for their elderly people that live in their home. Y'all get a raise every year whether you do something for America or not. The presidency, somehow, when the Constitution was written up, those guys that signed that, I believe every one of them, except for Benjamin Franklin, was less than 30 years old. They were in their late 20s. How is it that the presidency 
you cannot run for president unless you're 35, but you can serve till you're 103. My question on that is, is that discrimination? Because, in my opinion, someone who's 35 is completely disconnected from the generation that's 22. And I think that's a way that the elderly people, and I'm 60, can keep the young people that will make the greatest change in this nation or any other nation from being able to make a move. So the question at the end is, and we can change any of that other stuff, that'll be fine. The question is, is allowing a, the only person, people that can run for president have to be 35 years or older, is that age discrimination? And I'll hang up and listen. All right, Congresswoman. Well, we can have all kind of opinions, <laughs> but the Constitution was put together long before any of us were here, mm-hmm. and we have followed the Constitution. If we want to change the Constitution, there is a way that can be done. First, you have to pass it through the House and Senate, and it has to be ratified by most of the states. Uh, and that takes a vote in each state in order to ratify. Mm-hmm. And it takes the thirds of the state to do that. And so I'm not sure that I can say that leadership has gone off the rails because of the Constitution. It's been because of the people mm-hmm. uh, and how they have performed. Uh, I can truly say that you've got to have good experience to lead this country. I'm not sure that anybody 25 has been living long enough to have that kind of experience uh, because it's probably one of the toughest jobs anybody can have. You've got to have uh, a, a lot of experience in order to even know what the duties are and how to select people to carry out the duties. Uh, the uh, most of the work of the government is not necessarily through or with the president himself. It's through his cabinet that he puts in place. And most of the time, the president's going to put people in place that think like he thinks. And so that's when you have an administration like the one that's going out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this president, any, anybody who tried to do anything, that did go along with him was fired. And that's why this, this Congress, both House and Senate Republicans, are so afraid of him. They can talk to you and, and, and you get along with them and agree on positions, but if they have to show their hand, they first, the first thing they think about is where they're going to get reelected. Yeah. And he has shown that when he is is challenged by anybody in the any any party, but in the Republican Party in particular, he has gone to their districts and made sure they got defeated, and what? and that and that can be proven. That's a reality. Well, Trump, so, Trump was how old when he became president? Seventy three, seventy four. Yes. Yes, and well, uh, and he and he couldn't do it. Well, you know, it's well. Almost, you know, it it takes a lot of experience, mm-hmm. uh, and it never had any in government. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he even got elected really for the right reason. He no. got elected to be a dictator. 
Yeah. This is a democracy. Yeah. And so he was never suited mm-hmm. uh, to be there, but uh, through his rhetoric that had no nothing to back it up, he convinced a lot of people uh, to vote for him. Yeah, well, that, that, it was sort of like a TV rock star uh, type of uh, election, you know. We just never know. You can, I see why some reasons why uh, as electoral college. Then again, I see the uh, evil that can be in it also in both ways. All right, we'll go back to our phone line. Who do we have? Uh, break time? All righty. We'll be right back. back and we're back on with Congresswoman Eddie Bernice Johnson and we only have about nine to eight minutes left in the program and uh, as it's been the whole time our, all of our lines are full uh, we'll take some calls but we're going to ask callers please be uh, quick we'll try to get as many calls as we can in alright who we have on the line up next we have Ahmad alright good morning Ahmad Ahmad, are you there? Yes, sir, I am. Hi, good morning, Reverend Barnett. This good morning. Ahmad with FCA. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to let you and your listeners know, and uh, Congresswoman Johnson has been a very much so a proponent of our program, uh, that our Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program uh, is going on until December 31st. So businesses and nonprofits who experience issues with COVID-19, uh, can still apply for that. There's about a hundred billion left, and that program ends December thirty first. Uh, I just mm-hmm. want to thank Congresswoman Johnson for her support in SBA's programs as well. All right, this is a small business program. Yes, sir. All right, administration. Congresswoman, uh, you, you have any comments on that? Well, you know, we have put pretty good programs in place, especially during this epidemic. How those programs are carried out makes a difference. No matter how much money we put out there for small businesses, the banks chose big businesses to let most of that money go out. And the way we have learned about that Thank you. oversight Stop. committee that, that's headed up by Jim Clyburn mm-hmm. has shown where the discrimination of where that money has been put is overwhelming. Uh, you've got very wealthy churches who got lots of money. Some have had to pay it back, and all of them uh, that that really didn't have a dire need for it should. And I'm not thinking this on churches, but it's a, it's interesting to see that churches who did not have a big deficit got large amounts of money while small businesses were struggling and could not get a bank to let mm. them have any. Wow. Some banks even said they were not participating uh, in loans for small businesses. Small businesses make up our economy. Mm-hmm. And we have struggled to try to get aid to them. It's even after you can get a bill passed, it takes a cabinet that's 
bent on trying to be fair mm-hmm. uh, to carry out the intent of that legislation. That's why we have oversight. We have enough money left that went out erroneously to buddies and friends of these banks that should have been going to brace up our small businesses. That's the way the legislation oh structured. Mm-hmm. But it was not carried out correctly. And some uh, businesses that I worked with and brought complaints to me had been doing business with banks for many years. Mm-hmm. But they're small businesses. Wow. And they chose to embrace up the big businesses and the president's friends and supporters over the need to support small businesses. So it hit us very hard. Wow. Now, this, this president have heard us in so many directions. It's, it's been tremendous, the impact that really he's had on our community. My, this is ridiculous. Let's say it. All righty. struggling all the time. So when a pandemic hits like this one, it's very difficult for them to continue to make it. So we had, large, we had a, a number of... Businesses at our airport, mm-hmm. and the airport actually closed from people not traveling. Yes. They were struggling because mm-hmm. you cannot do business unless you got business that's coming in and spending money. And they mm-hmm. cannot be spending money with many of our small businesses when they're lined up for blocks to get food. Wow. That's sad. All right. We thank you for your calling comment. All righty, uh, bring me up another call. Let's try to get his Up team. next, we have James. James, all righty. Good, good morning, James. Uh, good morning, Reverend Barnett and Attorney uh, Foreman. Yes. Uh, good morning. I'm going to uh, make this uh, real short since I know we don't have much time. Uh, over the last few decades, the rich, the super rich, the plutocrats, uh, the oligarchs, the Republicans have exercised far more than their fair share of power in this country. And many of us have voted many times. And voting is very important. And I want to ask the Congresswoman, um, even though, uh, you know, what is there that the general public can do to make sure that the, uh, everybody is represented like they should be? In other words, the majority is represented. What can we do besides vote? Uh, although I understand voting is very important. I'm going to hang up and get the answer. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Congresswoman? Well, there are a lot of things we can do besides voting. We can make them accountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I just look at the differences in many of our district offices. I have serviced people all over this area that don't live in District 30. And mm-hmm. they come to my office because they said that they cannot get appointments or there are certain things that the Republican offices don't handle. We've got to make them accountable. They Mm -hmm. get there by the same process of everybody else. And it takes the people that they're representing, whether they voted for them or not, they have a responsibility to be responsive. But that's up to how we make them be responsive. I have been doing casework for this entire area. All of North Texas, for as long as I've been in office, no matter where my lines were drawn. Mm-hmm. Because Latinos come in trying to get help with citizenship, 
Many of their officers don't even deal with that. Hmm. Uh, trying to get relatives hmm. situated or getting services, a protection on jobs, they don't deal with that. And you know why? Because they can get away with not dealing with it if we don't hold them accountable. I yeah. could say, go back to that office and try to make them do it. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't help that person who is in the distress at the time. Yeah. So what we've been doing is trying to go ahead and do all we can to be of assistance to people. But one of the reasons they get away with the way that they get away is how they draw these lines. They don't want poor people in their districts if they can get away with it, but there's hardly any district without poor people. And mm-hmm. if somebody else has to service them, they continue to get away with it. Wow. So we've got to watch how we vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, Congresswoman, I, I really hate to cut you off, but I thank you. Now, with, since the pandemic, I have to, we all have to end our shows 10 minutes early. And uh, wow, I really want to hear the rest of this because you had gotten to something I was interested in. But uh, we'd like to thank you for being a part of the program. Hope you have a wonderful uh, Merry Christmas and a wonderful New Year coming in. So we got to get out of here. We got to run. You have a wonderful day. Thank all of you for calling. Mm-hmm. Thank all of you for listening. And uh, coming next is uh, workers be to be at nine o'clock, but we have uh, city council lady is coming down with her report. So, Miss Carolyn, on y'all, listen to that. We gotta go. Bye bye.